From MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome back to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. We are uh, back weekly, just like I said. And we're back with Corey, of course. How are you? I'm great. Glad to have you back. The demand was so high, we had to come back one week later. Yeah, you all right? You're gonna, I mean, we just finished a week ago. Have you recovered and are you ready to go again? I'm still catching my breath from the whirlwind that was last week's podcast. Are you going to be able to uh, maintain your same level of enthusiasm? <laughs> I'm going to try. It's, it's a struggle every week to pull off this uh it's excitement. I don't know what drug you take before you walk <laughs> into this building every day, but uh, I want some. Uh, and we have Savannah. No, we do not. We do not. Week two. I think it's week two <laughs> without our dear, dear Savannah. And uh, we're struggling without her, to be honest with you. We don't have that uh, bubbly personality. Vivacious, yes. Vivacious. I don't know what that means, but it sounds <laughs> dirty. Um, in the voice of an angel. Yes. The absolute voice of an angel. Nothing to say. Absolutely nothing to say <laughs> with that voice of an angel, but a voice of an angel. And just nag, nag, nag. Me mainly. Yes. She can disagree with you regardless of what the topic is. So she always has that to say. But we miss her. I miss her. Yeah. I miss her. The text isn't the same as in like, where the hell are you? In her reply, it's not. <laughs> we don't get the same feel when she's in here. So. Well, we are by ourselves, so uh, we can bore everybody with our nonstop tennis talk now. Right. Miami um, just finished. In-depth Miami coverage. In-depth Miami coverage, and then nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. The clay court season after the hard court season. You know what's funny? You say that, and in the winter, in January, you get excited because it's been cold and miserable, and they have a bunch of dumb carpet tournaments and all this other horse shit, and... The year-end championship, which is like a year after the year ends. Right. I, I, like, I don't, what are we on now? Are we on 2020s? Fine. <laughs> I, I, that whole thing, that needs to happen immediately. The Super Bowl doesn't wait until June yeah. after the regular season. I guess the national championship does for football. Yeah, it's about a month. About a but month. at least there's other games going on leading up to that. True. Those two teams aren't playing, but other teams are playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any other sport where you have that big of a gap. It's pretty impressive. I mean, how long you have to wait to watch college and then how long you have to wait to watch the best eight. Right. And what and should anything that happens after the U.S. Open count towards that? I mean, I don't see why it does. It does, really last... but it's stupid. Right. Who plays on carpet? Yeah, those are, they're playing players that are making that final eight based on those results after the Open, which don't matter. Have you ever played on carpet? I have played on a, a carpet, but probably wasn't the you carpet, know, the tour standard carpet. The last time I played on it's super fast. Yeah. The last time I played on carpet, 1984. <laughs> I was it, one in my living room on actual carpet <laughs> with a Nerf ball and a tennis racket, hitting it up against the wall, knocking lamps over yeah. and getting yelled, <laughs> what are you doing down there? Uh, nothing. You were the shag tennis champion. The <laughs> shag baby. <laughs> bo -do, bo -do. Um, yeah, I played on the carpet on the dashboard of my, uh, parents Buick. No. Uh, yeah. So carpet's dumb. 
yeah, it's one of the many surfaces there are now that don't really matter. Has it ever? No, I just think there needs to be two surfaces, if even two surfaces. I think at some point there may be just one surface, but <laughs> but I just, you know, you can't practice for every surface. Well, that's kind of was when I went off on a tangent about the stupid year end. So you get excited about the Australians just because you're coming out of hibernation. Right. And so you get to go down to sunny Australia. That was the worst Australian <laughs> exit ever. Holy shit. <laughs> You got one in there? You no, got a shrimp no, on the no. bob? I'll save that for uh That was my later. Austrian accent. I mean, <laughs> yes. Austrian. Uh, so you you come out of the doldrums of winter, and you're all excited because it's down in sunny, the summertime uh, on whatever hemisphere down there right. on the other side and of the world. And it makes you feel warm when you're watching it, and it's yeah. 20 degrees outside. Everybody's dying from yeah. heat stroke, and you feel pretty good about yourself. Um, and it's hardcore. It used to be that goofy rebound ace, which right. was causing knee problems because it'd get all soft and grab people's feet and they, you know, have, have problems. Uh, now it's, you know, just a normal average everyday hardcore. So you've got that and it's okay. Hardcore. That's tennis. That's we're used to that in America. And and you think about, uh, what do we, yeah, clay? Why do we play on clay? Why do we, what, why do we have grass? Why do we have all this other stuff? But then you start getting ready for tournaments that are going to be on the European coast, the Mediterranean, these high-level, you know, big-time money-wise, sexy yeah. places uh, like Monte Carlo and Rome. Madrid. In Madrid. Um, and you kind of get fired up for for clay courts. I do. I get fired up for it once I start thinking about I think it really is. I start thinking about the places that these tournaments are, not the stupid service. Because we have clay courts in Texas, red clay courts in Texas. Right. There's a couple f- facilities around um, that have have clay courts. Um, we we just played at one, Austin Tennis Academy, and obviously in Austin, and they have a couple of clay court two or four. I don't know how many it was. Uh, red clay, and I've got a couple of uh, European. I've got one European kid on my team, and I've got another kid. Uh, who has some South American heritage, and uh, they, they were, were dying. Yeah. They were dying to play. Well, we didn't go on it because we didn't get yelled at, but <laughs> right. they were dying to play on it. And so there is some sense that, and I think uh, I think maybe a fair sense that uh, real tennis is clay court tennis. Well, and I think you know a lot of people grow up playing clay, and I, I totally get that. I just think uh, it just makes it harder for the players to, have to switch back and forth. But they're never going to just choose one because it's going to be not going to be fair to, not going to be fair to the other half of the players, right? Well, I think I think um, a lot like we have an argument. We're not. Don't worry. We're not going to start the argument <laughs> on the greatest player ever, right? I th- don't give me. Don't Savannah's not here to represent well, the third party. Sure, but also I don't want to prejudice the jury talking about Miami, but. But you you talk about who the greatest player is and what we should do is actually qualify that. Who's the greatest singles player? Because right. none of these guys play doubles. So is doubles a part of tennis? Well, by the same token, if Federer and Sampras were the greatest grass court players, and I put them both in there so we didn't have to go down the road, <laughs> and you know Nadal and Borg and some of these others are the greatest clay court players, and then how do they do? I mean, the biggest thing about Sampras, uh, his kind of big check mark against him, is he never won the French. Right. So that that takes away, and on the other hand, adds to Federer's legacy. Right. Is should that, that matter, like you said, if it's the greatest 
yes. court player or yes. court player. Because it makes you play more. So if you factor in hard court, which is sort of the neutral, which you can kind of do everything. You can be a grinder, you know, counterpuncher. You can be an aggressive baseliner like Agassi. You can be an all-quarter like Sampras, Rafter, or some of the older guys back in the 80s and, you know, and beyond. Uh, you could be a net rusher. So you, you can utilize all aspects of what tennis is on hard court. Right. Then you go to clay, it's going to favor a certain type. Go to grass, it's going to you know, favor a different type. And so I think, I think uh, you've mentioned it before, I've agreed, watching two baseliners play the same point 97 times in a row, and every point ends the same way. I want to blow my brains out. And so if you mix it up with these different surfaces, now watching long, arduous baseline rallies is not as miserable because the clay adds a dynamic to it that it doesn't have on, on hard court. Right. A big shot, all of a sudden, a guy can get to. You know, and he's sliding and, you know, he's got to stop and try to, to regain his balance and get back. And, uh, you know, big servers don't have as big much of an advantage, so it evens it out. So, um, and then by the same token, which obviously we're not to Wimbledon yet, but we'll talk about the, the miniature, small, <laughs> like three-week season, size of my backyard grass court season. Same principle. It's a whole, if they're doing it right, if they're cutting it short enough or whatever the right. hell they do to make it fast, if they're making it fast like it used to be back in the day, then now we're talking about an advantage for a guy like Fetter or, you know, certain volleyers. I mean, um, so I, I, so I bitch about, about services and, and I think it, life would be easier if it was all a standard hard court or maybe slight variations based right. on whatever. But, uh, but then, then clay court season hits and I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. Well, and what I love about tennis and is the, just the challenge that every match presents that's different. And you know, the opponent obviously is different every time. So then you change the surface, you change the opponent, you change the weather. So basketball is pretty much the same. you got the same strategy of a basketball game, right? You know, tennis, it's going to be something different each time. And that's just one of the things I love about it. Well, and that's one of the arguments that, you know, no other sport, I, I would say baseball or, or, uh, softball and football and I guess soccer too that maybe you know grass natural grass versus the current version of you know AstroTurf or right. whatever the hell they call it you know I don't count that 1970s veteran stadium <laughs> concrete with a slight you know with carpet right. basically like tennis carpet okay. over it uh, you know but the the modern day uh, turf uh, compare it, it they're different right and they have different you know characteristics that make you know running and stopping and starting and ball the balls moving on it and different things um but that's really about it i mean hockey it's well, and those frozen no matter where you're at right. it's frozen water well and if you're a football coach you're not saying oh we're going to change our game plan based on the surface this week you know it's a turf, maybe so we're going to change our you know, i mean routes or the greatest show on turf that's true i mean they were but they were playing on that same surface you know every other week Right. So I guess, yeah, you're right to that degree, but I don't think you can change your whole style of play. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're compared to tennis, you can't. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. All of South America seems to. Right. They, they, I remember, I don't know if this still happens. I haven't really paid attention, but I remember years gone by that you would have a whole bunch of people just show up in the rankings during you know, the clay court season and then none of them would play Wimbledon and they'd wait yeah, for the hard court season. And that season. doesn't happen anymore, which is strange because that was kind of one of the cool things about clay court season. Would you get all these players that would come out and be great and you'd be like, who are these guys? Right. 
And now you just you kind of have uniform Galston, results. Gaudio, yeah. all these random French Open champions. Right, exactly. That's why. Yeah. So, I I mean I think if I think if you if you um, again me being king for a day could could set up a perfect season and have uh, all the different surfaces represented in the way those surfaces were meant to be, as in grass fast, clay slow, hard courts variations in the middle. And it was mandatory for him to play a certain amount of every right. surface, including the Grand Slam of that surface. Uh, then I think we'd have a bigger representation and, and see everybody's deficiencies. And right. um, and somebody like Federer, who's a little more all court, he's going to have an ability to do well on all of them because his era is much weaker. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to go down that road. Um, and even Nadal, I mean. They they were arguing, you know, commentators back when he was competing for Wimbledon titles when he was right on Federer's heels on the grass back then, uh, that the grass was slower than right. it had, had you know they, that it's, it has become slower, uh, which was unfortunate. But uh, but yeah, so all that to say that I get fired up for the what I like to call the French Open season. Yeah, the French Open series. Right. Which- we. <laughs> And I don't think, you know, they call it that and they don't tie those together they like should. the US Open does, but it would be a lot better. They should. Yeah. And it, what'll be interesting is how many of those players that skipped out on Miami and, you know, even any Wells are going to come back and were they saving up for clay? Are they truly injured? Were they just resting? That's kind of. Right. Sh- right. Well, I, I think one of the reasons maybe it can't happen is you have a bunch of different independent countries involved in the clay court season. So that's part of it. Right. So all different federations running all their different tournaments. And so they're not going to agree. So that may be one reason that it sort of won't ever happen. Yeah. Um, maybe if they listen to this podcast, they figure <laughs> you know, it all well, come together. Obviously they do. The EU of tennis, the European <laughs> Union of tennis. <laughs> well, and, you know, I'm curious if, uh, you know, some of these guys that have been laying off, you know, were they uh, were they worried about playing Federer? Were they trying to let Federer kind of run out of steam a little bit and then come back fresh? That's what I'm curious about. If if it was strategical on Murray and Djokovic's part to skip Miami, right? Are they saving? No, they're clay? just sick of getting their ass kicked early. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, embarrassed. I mean, it's what it, it's sort of crazy. Yeah, it, it is. It's been an odd, odd season. Um, but I, I think that lends to my argument that this era is weaker. You know, because we only have a few quote unquote, you know, superstar type level players, and no one else seems to can step up. No, except for your man. Almost, <laughs> almost. Well, let's not get let's not get to Miami yet, not yet. I want to finish this argument All for right. for the clay court. So, so aside from this miniature mini hard court season of two, you know, baby grand slams um, happening, you know, we're going into into the the clay court season, and I think these are some of the best tournaments of the season, non grand slam. Right. I well, mean, well, I remember John Isner gave that terrible interview a few years ago where he said. You know, pro tennis is such a beating, and we have to travel these places like Monte Carlo and Rome, and it's and, and we were also sympathetic, like, oh, that sounds like a horrible life, right? You know, you have to go to these places and play tennis, right? The closest I've ever gotten to a Monte Carlo is my uncle's 1978 Monte <laughs> Carlo that uh, a muffler used to hang low, and I'm driving to Waco to play tennis, right? Like, exactly, oh, I gotta go to Monte Carlo. No offense to our Waco listeners, but our listener doesn't compare it to Monte Carlo. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. Uh, I think that adds a big a big piece to it because you know, like I said, you have the Mediterranean, you have Europe, 
Um, uh, and then, of course, Paris. Right. Um, you get to Paris with the Eiffel Tower and all the baguettes and whatever those goofy French people <laughs> do. Uh, they're definitely uh, temperamental, but they know how to throw throw down on a on a tournament, uh, running a tournament. So, well, we're not to clay court yet, are we? Not yet. Not yet. So we will talk about Miami and uh, all of the predictions that we uh, got right or got wrong. And, uh, and I'll make excuses for any ones that I didn't get right. And uh, we'll do that when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're back. So uh, we got in a fist fight during the break uh, because uh, arguing about our calls. I don't, actually don't remember who I picked, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> not because I don't care, uh, because I'm always right. And so I figured, uh, why remember? I'm just going to get it right I think now. you said Ryan Harrison was going to win the tournament. Yeah, America, uh, baby. Let's go. <laughs> USA, USA. I think he won a few games. Yeah. No, um, you picked Warinka. That worked out. Oh, like a charm, <laughs> like a charm. And I picked Nadal, who made the finals and gave he a did. decent effort. He did. Um, but your man Kyrgios had a great showing. Well, his meds, um, <laughs> you know, he travels a lot. Right. And so he didn't get his meds in time for Indian Wells. Uh, right. Oh, I'm sorry. No, wait, that's right. He had food poisoning. <laughs> he seemed to recover nicely. Right. Uh, when I have food poisoning, I'm usually down for the count for weeks. Yeah, two but days he, later, he's back he's playing. A, listen, he's an elite athlete. He's young, so whatever. I'll take him at his word. Right. Uh, so he was back, and he was back in the form that led me to pick him in Indian Wells. Yeah. That son of a bitch. <laughs> so He was incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't actually blame him. So, well, let's, let's, so he makes it to the semis. Right. Faces Fetter. Mm-hmm. And it was a knockdown drag out it in was. the best possible sense. In, in the best possible oh, yeah. sense. 7-6, seven, 6-7, six, six, seven, seven, six, and 11-9 in the two breakers right. in the first set. Right. And it was high quality tennis. It was, you know, good atmosphere. And obviously, Federer, everybody loves Federer, but now you have this young buck who's entertaining and flashy and athletic and talented. Um, and he maintained. Until the end. Right. After. Until after. And honestly, I don't have a problem with losing, you know, a 7-6-6-7-7-6 match and breaking a racket. Right. I mean, he, I mean, come on. He can afford to pay for a racket if his parents. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think he's paying for it. (laughs) Exactly. You don't think his mom called and said, I'm not buying you any more rackets. You play with the ones you have left. Although, had she done that when he was younger, maybe he wouldn't be doing this now. It's funny, you know, because you think about that, and at the same time, you wonder if he would have been where he is today. Right. I mean, would he have been? Would he be as good? Right. The old yeah. but, the butter. Right. Butterfly. Effect? Yeah. Butterfly effect. <laughs> Who know? You know, a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon, whatever. But Agassi's a good example of that. You know, I mean, the way he came up lent itself to burning out. Right. But if he didn't burn out and end up back at, you know, in the 140s yeah. and fought his way back and then became one of the greatest players ever, 
He wasn't a Hall of Famer before he did all that. No. I mean, maybe. I mean, they're giving Roddick in the Hall of Fame. True. <sighs> because he's American, he might have gotten in. Maybe. But, but but the point is, is that I don't know that Agassi would have deserved to be in the Hall of Fame right. prior to that. But what he did after that and his his story, as it were, uh, is pretty amazing. And so so it's, it's hard to say because he's a, you know, because Kyrgios is an idiot. Uh, but personality is, is part of the whole package. And so he's very talented, almost like an artist, you know, artists are maniacs sometimes. And, and to some degree, if you squelch another part of their personality, maybe the rest of it can't be expressed in the way it needs to be. Maybe he doesn't get to this level. Right. Well, McEnroe was insane on the court and you look how well he did. I doubt, you know, if he was controlled early on, he might not have ever turned into that. Right. Right. And, and, you know, he's a New Yorker, so it was almost, you know, blowing your top right. at any given moment is more natural. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, what do you have to be upset about living in Australia? <laughs> right. Yeah, everybody's supposed to be happy there. Unless you live in the outback and, you know, you're not getting a lot of water and everything that touches you can kill you. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know what that tangent came from. But uh, but yeah, but he maintained all the way through and just lost, you know, lost it after the match. But right. he only broke one racket. Which is Brian Harrison. <laughs> um, let that be a lesson to you, young right. fella. Uh, and that's a lot of emotion in a tight match and playing one of the greatest players ever. And you push him, you know, how many points separated that match? Four? Right. I mean, four points mm-hmm. separated that match. Uh, what was the third set breaker? Five? Yeah, it was still, it was two point margin. Two point. Yeah, and, well, yeah, right. I guess actually the other two points he got. Right. So that so it is a two point. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, so two point difference so right. be frustrated that's that's a quality use of your frustration uh having food poisoning and crying like a baby <laughs> is not um so so Federer doesn't waltz to the finals so one of the theories i think we talked about last week was at some point is he going to be able to maintain you know because he had a break before australia he had a break before indian wells no break right the tournaments are necessarily <laughs> don't lend itself to a break plays back to back he's too old he can't do it he can't yeah he's a chump and you know in, in my defense of that argument which i made i will say he did struggle a lot more in this tournament than he did any wells now, did. whether that was the reason i don't know but tight one against burditch right and burditch is one of those players that he's just never going to get over that hump i don't even i have no idea from watching Federer against nadal i have no idea how burditch got that close again i didn't Truthfully, because I didn't he's, see that match. He's six foot twenty, <laughs> and he can serve. You know what I mean? I mean, right. it had to and, be serving just bombs. Well, definitely serving, but he's such a good player. Right. I mean, he's he's a big player, but he's not like Isner. I mean, he can move. Yeah. He's got stamina. Good uh, ground he, strokes. He's got good everything. His volleys for a guy that's tall are a little suspect, but <laughs> um, still, I mean, he's just. I mean, is he a failure because he's four in the world or whatever? He's right. you know, the highest he ever got to. No, of course not. But Grand Slam finalist, right? But uh, I mean, I like the guy. I mean, I don't yeah. know the guy. That sounds idiotic. <laughs> but I mean, I like his game. I like you know watching him and and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel bad. He's like Todd Martin. He's just never going to get over that hump. Yeah. Most, David Ferrer, same same thing. Most under yeah, but he but he has limitations that you can see. Yeah, right. I mean, he is. Nadal when Nadal was 12 I mean that's yeah, he's playing right. Nadal's game when he was 12 and so you kind of see where he kind of stalls out because he can't get right. past, whereas Burdich has the ability to physically has mm-hmm. the ability to yeah um it, just like Todd Martin I mean right. Todd Martin had a pretty pretty good all-around game uh in a big guy 
and I think the most underrated American uh, in history. Yeah, tennis right. history, not <laughs> not like you know Abe Lincoln right. and then Todd Martin. I mean, <laughs> exactly in tennis. Yes. So you remember him, right? You're younger than me, but you remember old yeah. Todd Martin. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, gets Agassi several times in the up two sets to none against. Right. Oh, sorry, Todd. Don't want to. <laughs> Call it. I, ha- I actually have met him, yeah. and he did introduce me and say his name is Todd, uh, and now I feel like I can call because I feel like an idiot. If you meet somebody, and you're like, hi Todd, right. and you've never met him, like yeah, I know you know his name because yeah. he's on TV, but you feel like an asshole. So I'm like, I always, but then uh, do you feel like an asshole also by making them introduce and say their <laughs> name before you yeah. call them by their name? Well, that's what I was gonna say. But I don't do it for the wrong reason. It's not like I'm, you know, trying to force him into doing something stupid. It's just right. I, I feel weird saying hi, Todd. And he's like, who are you? I don't, you know what I mean? But obviously he's probably used to it and all that stuff. Um, All right. Again, where was <laughs> I? We were saying. <laughs> so well, Fetter. So right. he did. Yeah, he did have a tougher road. Um, yeah. So he saved match points against Burdich and Kyrgios to get to the finals. A tougher road without Djokovic and Murray in right. it as well. And so, what are they doing? Where are they at? What are they food poisoning? They the same uh, restaurant as Kyrgios? It's it, yeah, it's kind of suspicious. So, Djokovic. Side note on that: Djokovic is number twenty-two in the champions race. Which, for those of you who don't know, it's you know from January first to now. They still do that nonsense. I don't know why they do it, but they 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 showed it today. So he's number twenty-two in the world from January first to now, which is pretty crazy. And Murray is number twelve. Obviously, Federer's number one because he's won everything. But it makes the rest of the year a lot more interesting because, I mean, Djokovic is losing points like crazy and not even playing. Right. So, yeah, because you know, he's still got a lot of points to defend. Right. And, he missed uh, more tournaments. You know, you're, I mean, he's dropping out of the top five. Right. Which is kind of what happened to Federer last year. I mean, you, you know, that seating makes a big difference. Due to injury, though. What right. is, we don't know why. Well, he said, hey, I've done everything I want to do. I'm good. Yeah. I'm just going to hang out and hit some balls and see what happens. And, you know, I mean, I would have more of a. Uh, a belief that Murray is having injury issues and he doesn't want to come back until he's 100 percent than Djokovic, right? Right. Now. What's yeah, going on? because Djokovic's results didn't seem like they were injury based, and right? His, and his effort level wasn't the same, right? In his matches, so. I mean, Murray's got to run, right, to play his game. He's yeah. got to run and grind, and you know, it's a pretty, you know, labor intensive uh, game style. So I don't know. I mean, this is speculation, of course, but it could be That's what, what we, we talked about about Federer taking six months off and they, comes back incredible. They said, "Hey, I got an idea. Yeah, they're that. Let's take a month off." But they're not as old back. as he is, so like, it's they shouldn't be taking time. Off. I mean, he's he's playing like they're he's their age, so I don't know. That's really my question. I have is how is he doing this? HGH. Well, that's yeah. That's I don't what, believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> Testing sorcery. Too, nah. Yeah, sorcery is definitely magic. Black magic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's way too hard, I think, to get away with something like that in, yeah. uh, in tennis. Yeah. Ask Sharapova. <laughs> when does she come back? Uh, next month. She's still or beautiful. This month. She's still beautiful. Yeah. And should that matter? One. See, I can say that because I won't get <laughs> smacked in my face by Savannah. What does that have to do with her tennis skills? Nothing. Marketing. <laughs> Marketing. Well, look at, uh, What's her name? The Canadian. Uh, Bouchard. Bouchard. Who's probably making more money than every player on the tour right now. Yeah, and not related to tennis. No. I mean, she is stunning, and she's doing modeling shoots. So don't tell me it has nothing to right. do with it. I'm sorry. This is our women's tennis What segment. am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> we, bitch about, we bitch about not being able to lust after them. Right. That's what our women's tennis is. God, we need you back, Savannah. Please yeah. come back. This thing is falling apart. Right. 
as we speak. It's imploding on itself. Um, but no, I mean, I'm ogling was, players yes. and, and Corey's mumbling stats from <laughs> <am>. 1948. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were nothing without right. you, Savannah. Yes, I'm talking about uh, Budge and Naver. Uh, there we go, Jack Kramer. No, but this Federer is playing so offensive. I don't know if he's on. I have no idea how anybody can beat him. And and you're a coach, obviously. So I was asking a friend of mine, what would you coach a Federer opponent right now to do when you're playing him? And I mean, obviously people got close, so there's got to be some formula to win points. Right. Well, I mean, you've got guys out there. Uh, I mean, and all the young guys can serve big. Right. I think that is like a necessity. You have to have that for sure. Right. And not just big. I mean, you know, <laughs> Sampras, back to him. I mean, Sampras proved that every serve you hit doesn't have to be big. Right. You know, the best second serve in the history of the game. Yes. Check mark. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, but in Federer's the same way. He doesn't have the 155 Rodicad, yeah. you know, but he's 130s, but he can do anything with it. Right. So, uh, you know, Kyrgios, I mean, he can serve. He can serve yeah. big. He can serve, uh, move it all around the box. You know, it's got a lot of movement, a lot of action on it. And he can back it up, obviously. Um, it's going to have to be power. Right. It's going to have to be power. I mean, Nadal has shown that he can't run with him anymore. Yeah. Uh, not to, again, we don't want to give away the spoiled ending. <laughs> if you haven't watched it by now, you need to do something right. different with your life. Um, yeah, but Nadal is not the one to beat him anymore because what he could do is, uh, you know, I don't think Federer had the amount of power some of these giant hitters had. Right. And, and and Nadal could deal with that anyway, but yeah. then you add on top of that that it's not quite as penetrating as some of the other guys. Um, when you take away 10% of Nadal's speed and all of a sudden he can't you know, chase yeah, those down. Right. But I would love, even though we've seen it a lot already this year, I would love to see Federer Nadal in the French Open. That would be... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Nadal would... Uh, I mean, not that he doesn't do everything he can, but you'd think he would try anything and everything herbal supplements right. and you know whatever you know which doctor right um to get himself right for his tournament yeah um the king of clay uh because if fetter beat him like he just beat him in miami sorry i just <laughs> gave it away you know then then i think you can clearly see that the end is nigh for right Nadal, which is funny to say the end is nigh. he was in the finals for god's sake right. so th- when we say the Two end is near we're talking about the level he was that we remember right. him two years ago. Um, so, yeah. So, so well, there you go. So I gave it away. So Feder uh, moves on to the finals, uh, and he meets Nadal for the five thousand three hundred eleventh time. <laughs> He's only won two of them before, uh, and he wins this one in five, three and four, or four and three. I can't remember yeah, which. A three and four, and Nadal had never won Miami. That was a shocking stat for me. Wow. I would think Miami, humid weather. Yeah, you, you would know, think. I would thought that would huh. be his place, but. This was his fifth final. He's never won one. Wow. Um, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I was shocked to see that stat. See, that's the stats I like you muttering. That's exactly <laughs> why you're here. Um, I mean, you know, was Nadal ever a threat? Yeah, I mean, it was on serve, you know, all the way, the three all in the first and four all in the second, and it was just a matter of Nadal not converting break points and Federer kind of amping up his game on the important important games. Right. And I think that's the thing about Nadal. It's a positive, uh, you know, overall, but he plays the same level, 100% effort every point. Right. Whereas Federer seems to have that ability, if it's 4-all, you know, 5-4, he's going to just raise it 10%. Right. 
You know who else used to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sampras. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah, if he didn't, if he didn't get a, a one or two points uh, out of the gate on on the return game, he just kind of let the return game go, serve, knowing he was going to hold, and then basically waited out until he got a, a a slight lead in a game, and then there you go. And so Federer has the ability to kind of not turn it off. I mean, that's right. the wrong way to put it, but uh, he's not exerting himself down love forty or you know. 40 love yeah. against somebody served. So, well, um, I think this tournament was uh, informative that either it is HGH <laughs> or he's probably going to do a good job for the rest. He's got more of an opportunity for the rest of the season to, you know, sort of spell himself, take himself out, give him some minutes off the right. floor and rest and, and sort of spot in to where he's ready for the bigger tournaments. Well, and back to the surface argument that we were talking about earlier. So, how much do these results matter going into the clay court season? As in, for predictions, right? Does that make Federer the odds favorite for the French? If you're, or is it like starting over because it's a different yeah, surface? Yeah. Well, okay. So, we'll compare it to your awful uh, prediction uh, <laughs> for Miami. Uh, we counted them out. Because we thought, well, listen, he's resting and he's kind of, you know, preserving himself and picking his spots. Right. Back to back, he couldn't pick his spots. Well, you can't pick your spots on clay either because right. you enter a tournament and it's going to kick your ass for an entire week now yeah. because it's a different game. Uh, and uh, you were wrong in terms of, is he going to win it? But you didn't say he was going to bow out in the first right. round either. Right. So you, I think you were right in the sense that he lost steam. Yeah. I mean, he definitely had tougher matches. Uh, he still looked great. But the results were closer, right? Um, and so I, I would imagine that's what's going to happen. I don't. I, I bet you he won't. I bet you he won't try to play every clay court tournament. No. I think he's going to do the same thing, right? And uh, pull himself out of a couple here and there. Well, and, and I've thought for years, why would guys not just play like the older guys? Just play the Masters only, the most points, and the Grand Slams, and that's right. like fifteen tournaments a year, right? That's where all the money is. You're practicing the surface. You're playing the Grand Slam on, right? I mean, that's all he really needs. He can't be playing for the money at this point. He's playing for the points and the Grand Slam titles, I would assume. And I would imagine he's also playing to shut a lot of people up because right. he had a little bad spell, and now he's back. Right. You know who else did that? Sampras once. <laughs> <laughs> he had a bad spell. After 13 months. Yeah, all right. But Federer had one or five years. But within that bad spell, who did he play? Well, he played Agassi in the... Yeah, but during that spell, who did he play? He played Federer. Oh, yeah, there you go. And it went five sets. <laughs> and I think everyone was a breaker or 6'4 or 7'5. Right. Uh, no, he lost. In Federer's infancy. But he was 90 years old. He was 90. <laughs> After Federer wins 25 Grand Slams, will he be the greatest of ever? ever? I, I have an out. <laughs> I have an out. And it's Rod Laver. Well, yeah. It's just Rod Laver. There's nothing you can say. Go right. screw yourself. His quadriceps are bigger than this table. <laughs> and uh, his nickname is Rocket. Okay? Federer Express. Come on. And none of, them, none of them would dispute Rod Laver is the greatest ever. None of the players would Pistol Pete is way better nickname than Federer Express. Yeah, but you're forgetting the one that I prefer, which is Federer is better. I never get tired of that. That's awful. <laughs> That's, that's not a I nickname. I don't get tired of that. That's just you saying words that kind of <laughs> rhyme. It sounds like you're right. drunk. <laughs> Slurring. It's the bar argument. 
Better is better. Not that anybody anywhere in a bar that's cool is arguing about <laughs> tennis, for God's right. sakes. Maybe in Europe. Yeah, probably. After the football season's over. Um, yeah, so that, that was a very telling result. And uh, it's it's almost like the Spurs. You know, it's like, ah, they're old. There's no way. Oh, they won it again. Son of a bitch. Um, he's old. He's not going to do it. Son of a bitch. He right. did it again. And he keeps on doing it. That's that's what's strange to me. I could I could believe he do it, did it once. Now he's gonna win every major tournament this year. Apparently, if he does, then is he the Tom Brady of tennis, or is Tom Brady the Federer of football? Because <laughs> he's old as dirt too. So uh, who cares? Because uh, it's football, and we hate that sport. We love it, but we're we, not allowed to say that exactly. So, all right. Well, uh, I think we were informative. Uh, I think we were. Uh, I think we were connected with our audience. Yes. And uh, I think the only uh, strike against this episode is no Savannah. But we're going to have a – I got a prediction. We're going to have a girl in here next week. All right. It will I not, can't wait. It won't be Savannah. <laughs> we actually, actually, we're going to do some good for once. This awful podcast who is useless to everyone except you and me, we're going to do something good for the world. We're going to have a guest in um, from an organization called Acing Autism. Acing, obviously tennis. I guess you could ace in volleyball. Right. What else? Anything else? Cards? Uh, poker? Yeah. Yes. The poker autism group. Um, what else can you ace in? How we suck at this. Yeah. We don't know any other sports, no. do we? That's not true. I That's really an do. endorsement for us, I guess. Yeah. Again. Tennis only. So Acing Autism, um, uh, she started... Uh, uh, she was a co-founder uh, of a the chapter here in Dallas, and so she's got uh, got a good story to tell, and uh, we're gonna let her tell it, and uh, that'll be it for the year. That's the only good we're doing for this year. <laughs> Check that off, done. We'll do another good thing in the next year. So, all right, anything to add? Of course you don't. Uh, all right, well, thanks everybody out there for joining the revolution. Um, I hope you like this uh, week. Um, weekly um, program we're doing now instead of every other week. Um, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get numbers next week. I we've got to be over probably one thousand eight. <laughs> we were one thousand four last week, so we gotta well, add have four more. Since we moved weekly, you may not know this, but my fan mail has doubled. Just there like we my go. Salary. There we go. Emailing yourself again. <laughs> all right, all right. So anyway, thanks for joining the revolution. Tell all your friends. Tell your coach, tell your teammates. If you're a coach, please tell your players, get your club involved. Listen to it in the pro shop, maybe. If, if you're a public tennis center. If you're, if you're a little stuffy <laughs> private one, you probably don't want to hear some right. of the language we use. So. Right. Uh, but uh, all right, well, we will see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>